When you get to Job chapter 7, stand with me. We're just going to read one verse. Job chapter 7 and verse 11 is sort of a, a jump out verse, a key verse, a key scripture of the chapter. Job chapter 7, verse 11. We'll read it together and then we'll pray. Job 7, 11. All right. Let's read together. Therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Wow. Strong, strong emotional words. Let's pray. Father, we just briefly ask you again to teach us, help us here. This, this man is, is going through the worst thing that any human could go through except for Jesus Christ. He's a picture of the, the worst that can happen to anybody. Um, and he's real. So Lord, one of the reasons why you put books like this in the Bible is to remind us to be real. And that when we go through something like this, we can find comfort and hope where Job couldn't. So Lord, um, help us, God, because there are plenty of Job's out there. When we're not in a Job situation, there are others in Job situations. It would be nice if we were better friends. So teach us tonight, help us to hear how he feels and hear what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, you may be seated. Well, in, in chapter 6 and 7, we've been talking about what Job's friends should have done to help Job. And uh, when, we, when we get to this, in Job chapter 6, Job asks for help. And he starts off and he asks for compassion. He asks for pity. And I gave you a, 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 what I found was a great definition. Pity is the feeling of the suffering of another person. Sympathy with grief or misery of another person is becoming, it's becoming synchronized with them. Um, and uh, Job 19.21 says, Job is crying out, and he says that a, a couple of times. He says, have pity on me. Have pity on me, O ye my friends. <laughs> now, they didn't. But he asked for pity. He asked them to fear God. He says, all of your opinions are, do you realize you're going to have to answer to God for how you're talking to me? Think before you speak would be a great um, guide. He, he says, would you, would you stop judging and just be there for me? Just be dependable. Be somebody I can depend upon. Wouldn't you like to have a friend who just stays with you? Now, maybe they need to rebuke you. Maybe they need to correct you. But it's just nice having somebody who's for you, who just loves you as you are. And that's what he was asking for. He also asked for something that I call substance, which means all of your talk so far, and they've just begun, all of your talk has been airy-fairy, fluffy, um, uh, marshmallow stuff, and, and it hasn't encouraged or helped um, Job any. Job wanted something that he could, as when I grew up, it's something you could sink your teeth into, we'd say, or something that he could rest upon, something he could hold on to. And they weren't giving it to him. He asked for the courage, he asked for them to have courage to talk to him in real terms. Uh, don't, don't, don't skirt issues. If there's something we need to talk about, talk about it. But talk in reality. This generation, this younger generation, needs parents who will talk straight up because their teachers are. Their teachers have taken uh, a page out of an awful wicked book, uh, the book of 
of uh, carnality in the world and sin, and they're talking to kids not about reading, writing, arithmetic, but about wicked things. And we need to be able to talk straight up and talk right at reality with, with kids and with people. He also asked for them to just teach him. He says, guys, would you teach me what God says? Because nobody in this room, pastor included, no none of us know this book like we should. So sometimes there's just a time when somebody sits down with you that you're like, okay, well, show me. What does God say? Because I'll trust that. So, but he knows they're not listening. Few people ever really want to actually help. Most people want to judge, condemn. They want to find fault. They want to write you off. They want to say, I knew that he would fail. I knew she wasn't going to live up to it. And, and so no, he's, he's pouring out his heart, and they're not listening. So Job just blurts out his conclusions in chapter 7. Chapter 7 is him blurting out, this is how I feel now. So let's look into that because we're going to see how he feels, and then we're going to look at it and say, is it true? What is, what is our heart prone to do? Our heart is prone, as the psalm, as the hymn says, prone to wander. Our heart is prone to deceive us. Our heart is prone to conclude things that are not true. Uh, Job concludes that God is against him. Was God against him? Come on, talk to me. No. Job concludes that there's no hope. Was there no hope? Not at all. So, Let's talk about this thing, and I'm going to start off, first of all, is ten, ver uh, 10 verses. I'm going to read these 10 verses this is far, as far as we're going to get tonight. But Job is tired of living. I bet there are some people in this room sometimes who get to feeling this way as well. Chapter 7, verse 1, he says this, Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling, we would say an employee? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow... What they have back then, they didn't have clocks on the wall, they had um, sundials. Or they would know by the shadow on the ground that that was 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, that was quitting time. And he says, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and the hireling looketh for the reward of his work, for the pay, so am I made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down... I say, when shall I rise? And the night be gone. And I am full of tossings to and fro from the, uh, unto the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Now that's probably one of the saddest statements so far. He says, every day I live and there's no hope that I'm going to get better. Verse 7, Oh, remember that my life is wind. He's speaking to his friends. Mine eye shall no more see good. There's that hopelessness again. Verse 8, The eye of him that has seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. I'm not really here. I don't want to be here. Verse 9, As the cloud is consumed and vanished away like a vapor, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him anymore. Any encouraging words in any of that? Not a word, man. All right. So Job is tired of living. Let's talk about a couple of these things. First of all, he says, we've only got an allotted time to live anyway. 
And so is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? It's kind of like when you get hired, your, your boss, your employer says, I want you here at 8 or half 8, and you'll work until half 11, and you've got a 45-minute lunch, and then you're done at half 4. He gives you an allotted time. He says, that's when you're going to work. And he says, at least hirelings, at least a servant knows when he starts and when he finishes. But he says, and he says, verse 2, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, quitting time, as a hireling looketh for his reward of his work. He's going to go up and say, pay me. So am I made to possess not hours, not weeks, but how long has he been in this situation? Months. I am made to possess, to own months of vanity, emptiness. I'm just sitting here. And wearisome nights are appointed to me when I lie down. Okay, let me just stop there for a second. We only have an allotted time to live anyway. But the truth is this, all right? God's in control of our days. The truth is that he, uh, Job is like saying, well, we're only supposed to live here, we know, maybe 70, 80, 90 years, who knows? It's all, God's got it all figured out. He knows when I'm supposed to die. But the truth is, he does know when you're supposed to die. Take a step back and realize, all right, there is, a, this is not a, a crazy, wild, unknown ride. Can you imagine getting on a roller coaster that nobody's ever finished? And you're riding it, and you're going to get on it and go, and you're like, I don't know where it's going to end up. But that's life. But for the Christian, it's not true. I know that he knows the way that I take. He knows where the end is and how to get me there and all the way home. And Job is saying something that he's not realizing. I'm glad he's in control. I'm glad he has a schedule for my life. Take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. I'll start over on this side. And Brother Darren, if you'll read Hebrews 9, 27. <clears throat> Okay, key word is appointed. He says, you know, there you have an appointment you're going to have to keep. Some of us uh, have appointments with the uh, NCT or with the dentist or with the tax man. Who knows? But you have an appointment where God says, it's time. And then there's the judgment. So all I know is this. Somebody, including the devil, may want me dead. But it ain't going to happen until he says it's time. Okay. So Job has no idea, and he's like saying, again, I don't want to live, and I, 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 I figure I've outlived my usefulness, God, is what he's saying. Let's go on. He says, we're like hirelings. Now, I, I don't know about what you understand, but an employee is a pretty good thing. To be employed is a very good thing for a person to be. To say, I have a job is a good thing. Amen. Nod your head. Amen. But a hireling was somebody that could be fired on the whim. They were hired to work out in the sun. They were hired to plant or to harvest, and it was backbreaking work. It was the lowest form of human life. What does Job see himself as? I'm just a worker here. I'm just a grunt. I'm just a nobody. And, and that's how he sees himself. But the truth is this. We are servants. 
But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll go to Miss Sherry. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. We are servants, and it is a great thing to humble ourselves and say, I serve the Lord God. But don't ever think that's all you are. Go ahead. <clears throat> Keep going, 18. All right, now, First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we are the sons of God. We are the children of God. And Job doesn't see him in a special place of a, of a, of a relationship with God. He sees himself as just, I guess I'm just working for God. Don't ever see the Christian life as, well, I'm just working for God. That will kill you. It will burn you out where all you do is you just do what you're supposed to do, get it over with, can't wait for quitting time. It'll kill you. But if you do it as in the family, that it's a family business, this life is something where God put me in a place like he put his son. He has a purpose for me, not nearly as important as Jesus, but he gave me a purpose just like he gave his son a purpose. We are higher, we're like hirelings, but we are more than that. We are sons and daughters of God. Third, verse 2 to 4, he says, I can't wait to finish my work. Job says, I'm looking forward to the day that I can quit my life like a worker on a farm or a factory. Looks forward to quitting time. I just want my pay, and then I want to go. I'm tired, and I want to quit. Days take too long to pass. Nights take too long to pass. How many of you have ever gone to bed and your mind's racing? <laughs> One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, and you can't get to sleep. That's how Job was. He says it takes forever to get to sunrise, and as soon as sunrise comes, I wish for the night where I could go back to bed, and it just goes on. But the truth is this. God has appointed your weary days just like he has appointed your blessed days. You know, as much as I and you don't like the bad days, God appoints those bad days just as much as he appoints those good days. So when you want to quit, the Lord says, I still need you. And that desire to quit is you running to the end of yourself. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a very good thing. Because at that time, you can only depend upon God. And Job here is not praying. Do you hear him praying in any of this discussion? Oh, he has quit praying. He's complaining. Can you pray and complain? I bet some of you try. <laughs> it's, it's, but... He's not praying in this entire book. At the end, God says, Job, you better pray for your friends, and Job gets back to praying. But at this point, all he's doing, he's saying, I just can't wait to quit. I, can't, I, I wish the clock would strike 5 o'clock in the evening and the bell to, uh, uh, to, to ring or the whistle to blow, and I just want to get my pay and go home. Philippians, I want to show you this. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Okay, Ruth. Yeah, it's because I asked your mom. So, 
Do you always sit in front, Ruth? Usually, no. Do you swap just to aggravate me? <laughs> Ruth, read Philippians 1.21. Is it a sin to look forward to heaven? Is it a sin to look forward to dying? No, it's not. Okay? It's a sin to want to die instead of live. I'll show you this in a second. Read Philippians 1, 20 and 21. What's an earnest expectation? Good. So he's looking forward to something. Go ahead. Magnified. So what does he think about death? Good or bad? Good. He says, I can't wait to die. Now, he's not going to encourage it. He's not going to go out and stand in front of a chariot and get run over. Let's look at another scripture. Now, still in chapter 1, go down to verse 23 and 24. Please. What's a straight? Good. So he's having a hard time trying to decide something. Go ahead. So what does he want? Amen. But he says what? Okay. The truth is, look, my weary days, I'm still needed, just like when the days are gray, great. In, in all situations, a true Christian looks forward to seeing Christ, doesn't mind getting closer and closer to death, would gladly say, I'm living for Christ, but I can't wait to die and be with him. <clears throat> so don't let the devil get you discouraged so that you want to quit this life. But don't let the devil also rob you of the fact, I can't wait to quit this life. Does that make sense? Okay. Job is still teaching us some things here. We'll go on to verse 5. He says, my health is ruined. And it has been said, when your health is gone, you know what you want? You want to die. Nobody wants to sit and have tubes in them, being fed more pills than you eat porridge. <laughs> uh, nobody wants to live the rest of their days on a dialysis machine or in the hospital. Um, uh, it, it, we all, when we lose our health, we can relate to Job who says, look at there in verse, uh, verse 5. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. He probably hasn't bathed in months. But here's where he says his health is bad. My skin is broken and has become loathsome. He's repulsive. He looks ugly. He's been out for months on that ash heap. The sun has dried his skin. And the, what do they say? I don't remember if I can say it correctly, but the, the most powerful organ, or the most important organ in your body is the one that you're living in. It's your skin. And when your skin starts to get cracks in it, you're doomed. Because that's how infection gets in, and that's how you die quickly. And he's, he's been out there. The sun has just cracked his skin. He's, he sees worms crawling on and on, and he's knocking them off. He's got clods of dust and dirt on him. 
He's, his health is falling apart. Looks like, he looks like somebody you just want to walk away from and just say, why don't you just die? But the truth is this. Job is absolutely precious to God. And he was going to use Job's health problems, disasters, to bless and help and encourage millions throughout history. Before you go to Romans, I want you to go back to Job chapter 1, verse 8, Juliet. Job 1 and verse 8. Does God hate Job or love him, Juliet? What do you think? I couldn't hear you, sorry. Show me. Job 1, 8. <clears throat> and then point it out in the verse, show me where he loves him. Where does it say that God loves him? All right, well, that's, I understand. Okay, you're looking at the performance, and that's okay. He says he's a perfect man, upright, a shoe with evil. That's all great, but he says, he calls, he says, have you not considered my servant Job? He says, we're close. There's none like him in all the earth. God is very proud of Job. God's not going to just let all this happen to Job because God doesn't like him. No. So when, when God allows Job, who is a perfect, upright, mature, godly man, when God allows that to happen to him, is it because God doesn't love him? any more than God allowing the judgment to fall on his only begotten son who was his beloved. And he put all of the wrath on him and on that cross he was judged and he was murdered and yet God loved him. You see, the truth is, go to Romans 15, 4, I will get uh, Heidi. His brain was dead. Instead of the other. Um, Heidi to read uh, Romans 15.4. Whatever you're going through, would you please remember this verse? Because this is about, this is, this is going to tell us why Job went through it. Go ahead. You know where Job is in that verse? It's in the word patience. Because James chapter 5 says, Have you not heard of the patience of Job and that the Lord is very pitiful and very compassionate towards Job? And so when you read this, it was written for our learning that we, through the same kind of patience, might have hope. Job didn't have a Bible that he could read and go, Phew, It's going to be okay. But we do. All right. Uh, and I believe this, I believe that, jo that David's faith when he was running from Saul, when he was going through ups and downs, when he was going through disasters both in his own life and in his children's life, I believe he went back to the book of Job because he seems to have the same, the same phraseology, the same theology, and the same emotions as Job. So, even though and I, he talks about his health, and usually when your health goes bad, what could doctors do except just, we'll make you comfortable? Well, Job couldn't even be comfortable. But in that, he needed to know God still loves me. God's going to use me. <clears throat> he then goes on and he says, things happen so fast. Go back to Job chapter 7 and verse 6. 
Job 7 and verse 6, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. What's a weaver's shuttle? Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, Nita and her sister went to uh, Blonnie Woolen Mills. Uh, um, some mills, I don't, think, I don't think, I can't remember where we saw actual weaving equipment. I thought it was Blarney, but it was downstairs in the basement. Somewhere we were in some place and they had this equipment. There's a shuttle up here. This shuttlecock here has thread in it. It has a color and you can weave a beautiful design by running that thing across and then you can change the thread and then run it back and go back and forth and it weaves through. You can make incredible, let's see, oh no, well, you can make incredible um, uh, designs and things very rapidly. And he says, my life is like that weaver shuttle. What part of his life was like that? How quickly he lost his children. <laughs> How quickly he lost his wealth. <laughs> it was over. His health. <laughs> Everything that had been in his grasp was taken away. But I don't know why I didn't remove this. Let me pull that back. Nope, go back. Uh, the truth is, sometimes things do happen fast. And boy, I wish it weren't true. I wish things would warn you before they were about to happen. Amen? That's why little indicator lights are on your car. They're telling you your oil is, is, is out. But do you know, can I, ladies, if you have a car and you haven't checked the oil in a while, when the indicator comes on telling you the oil is out, you're doomed. It's too late. <laughs> I don't know why they put an indicator in there to tell you the oil is out, because at that point, it's too late. So there are some things that just happen and you wish, oh, I wish they would give us a warning. But sometimes, God allows us to have some slow times too. That's why the first day of the week belongs to God. To slow us down. To not have to go shopping and eating out and get some this done and that done and mow the grass. God says take one day a week and slow down. That's what Sunday's for. Family is for taking time. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Nita, would you read Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 3 to 5? <clears throat> So he's busy. He's building, he's drinking, he's learning, he's studying wisdom, all of this stuff. Verse 11. <clears throat> Please keep going, yes. Okay, after he built the temple, after he built his house, after he built streets in Jerusalem that were paved with gold. After he did all of that, after he hung gardens and he planted gardens and he planted vineyards, after he dug pools of, of water for swimming and for drinking and for beauty, what did he think of it all? 
He says, what a waste. Do you know what, what Solomon forgot to do? Smell the flowers. You can do everything and then not sit back and, and then go, hmm, I think I'll just smell the flowers today. There's a time we need to be busy and there needs to be a time where you just do nothing. And it used to be known as the 80-20 rule where you, you work at full speed for 80% of the time and then 20% of the time you rest. But most people don't know how to balance a time where you just stop and you just smell the flowers. You just look at the ocean. You just listen to the wind through the trees. Your kids are going to think you're weird, but you'll be sane. Things do happen fast. Make sure you take time like a Sunday to come away from being so busy. You say, I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. Is that not what Martha did? I'm sorry, what, what Mary did. Martha was busy and she was bitter because she didn't have any time with Jesus. So, <clears throat> just a couple of other points here. Look at verse 7. He says, I've lost all hope that things are going to get better. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall, see, uh, shall no more see good. I'm just a wind passing by and I'm gone. I like, I like watching you go to a field <clears throat> of barley feel a wheat, and you watch the wind, and it you feel it, and then you can watch it move across that field, and it's just, it's gone. It never comes back. And he's looking out, and he says, that's my life. I come along, and then I'm gone. James says that as well. He says, our life is like a vapor. But he says, you're looking at me right now, but in a flash, I'm going to be gone. And no one's going to remember me. Boy, did he not know. But he says some of the saddest things. He says, there's no more good for me in this life. Was that true? That was not true. You see, the truth is this. Job doesn't know this for sure. But believe me, he feels it. Which is more probably, what is, which is more probable to believe? How you feel or a fact that you know? Which one's probably going to be leaned on? How you feel or a fact? How you feel. Christians are a different type of people where we say, I will ignore how I feel and I will trust the promises. I will trust the truths of the Word of God. Job doesn't have a written Bible like we do, so he just says, I don't have any hope that this is going to get better. And that's sad. Um, I want to show you something. Uh, Acts 16, if I could get uh, Marianne. Acts 16, if you'll read verse 23 to 25. Uh, the background of this thing is Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel. They're upsetting the idol trade. People are getting saved, not going down to the pagan temple anymore. And so the magistrates grab them, beat them to within an inch of their life, turn them over to a prison guard who throws them into the darkest prison without any trial without any hope that they're going to get out. And what do you find them doing, Mary Ann? Chapter 16, verses 23 to 25. All right, hold there. When it says thrust them, what does that imply? What do you think? 
Well, pushed them or probably threw them in there. All right. I mean, he's being very abusive. They're already whipped and they're bleeding on their back. And then he makes their feet fast or tight in the stocks. Now, the stocks may have been at the bottom. They could have been chains, but I think the wooden stocks kept them so they couldn't even get up. So they're going to be sitting in their own waist. And they're going to be sitting in other people's waist. And the rats are going to be all around them. This is the space that they find themselves in. Next verse, verse 25. Would you agree that it'd probably be very good to make singing a part of your daily life? So that when you have a midnight experience like Job, like uh, Paul and Silas, and like Job, that you don't get to this place where you say, I have no hope. Because it'd be great to have a song that reminds you, I do have hope. Um, mm -hmm. This is when faith in God's promises is needed when you feel like nothing's ever going to get better. How can you, if you're a Christian, how can you say that if, if you believe that God's in control? So, he says in verses 8 to 10, he says, the death, death is the end of my flesh and my body. Look at verse 8. He says, the eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Mine eyes are, thine eyes are upon me and I'm not. As the cloud is consumed and vanished away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. Is that fatalism or what? Is that pessimism? Of course it is. Now, Job believed in the resurrection. But he's saying, basically, I'm not ever, when I die, I'm never getting back up from all this. I'm never recovering from this. I'm doomed. He's making a fatal decision to just give up and die which is what Satan wants every Christian to do. Because did you know Satan cannot defeat you unless you give him the power? Job chapter 10. No, 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 let me hold on there. I won't, I won't go there. All right. The truth is this, all right? Death is never the end. Death is never the end. That's why we can have a funeral and Christians can rejoice. We are in sorrow, but we're comforted by the fact we're, if, if they're saved, we're going to see them again. They're in, they're, they're in heaven. They're dancing and singing around the feet of Jesus. So death is never the end. The end of your body, yeah, but it's not the end of you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Bill, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Yes, sir. Okay. So he'd like for your whole body, soul, and spirit to be held together and be kept out of trouble until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Amen? But in case you do die, what part of you dies? Only the body. Okay, what do we spend most of our time focused on and worried about and pampering our body? And where's the body going to end up? In a hole in the ground or in a furnace, most people are trying to go for a 
uh, cremation these days. All right, but the truth is, death is not the end. It never is the end. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, if I could get uh, you to read that, please. Nicola, Philippians chapter 3, if you can find it. If, uh, do you want me, or I, else I can get somebody else? Um, uh, Dina, can you read Philippians 3, 21? 3, 20 and 21, that's okay. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Amen. Okay, let me ask you something, Dina. Would you like to live forever in the body you have right now? <laughs> uh, Tony, would you like to have a bum knee for the rest of eternity? Dan? All right, okay. So... Job is saying, I'm going to die and it's all over. It is not coming up. And you know what? Job's not saying, yay. <laughs> I'm glad because God will change our vile, our broken, our frail, our vain body and make it like his perfect body. So there is a way to look at things that Job hasn't learned yet. Now we're going to stop. And next week, Job's going to beg God to just leave him alone. Did you know he has begged his friends to leave him alone. Will they do it? No. Or else the story would have been over now. <laughs> Job is now going to turn to God and say, God, why, why are you keeping this up? Could you just leave me alone? Now, let me finish with some thoughts here. Number one, would we feel, here's a great question that, I, that you should be asking yourself, I should be asking myself, would we feel any differently than we do now? Theologically, emotionally, if we had lost our children, if we lost our relationship with our wife or our husband, we were abandoned. Job's wife is not sitting there by her. She's not by him. She's not encouraging him. She's just basically said, why don't you just die? <laughs> what a nice thing. What if we lost our relationship with our wife or our husband or our health or our wealth? How would, would we feel any differently than Job? What do you think? No. Secondly, how do we fare when we have just small problems? Ouch. Third question. A statement. Sometimes just hearing someone else talk about how they feel can make a big difference in our heart and help us to grieve, not only with them, but grieve our own grieving and recover. That's why support groups help a lot of people, because they talk and they just get things out. And, and Job and his friends, even though they're, they're not helping Job, Job is being helped slowly by at least being able to verbalize what he's doing. And that's why it's important to listen to someone else grieve. You know, sometimes just weeping with somebody that's weeping can, can help not only them, but it'll help you. And that's why God allowed Job to go through such a desperate time to help us. Last point. <clears throat> Examine your view of God. It's important for everyone in this room right now to examine your view of God because your view of God will either help or ruin your view of suffering. It's case in point. You'll think suffering stinks if life is up to me, if life is up to you, 
you will hate suffering. But if God's in control, and he knows what he's doing, you'll know there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's an end, there's grace, there's the Holy Spirit. How I view God. I don't need to worry about how I view suffering yet. How I view God helps me view my suffering. Job is struggling with his suffering. He's not got a good view of God yet. He will develop it and his friends will help him. But make sure in your own walk with God that you say, Lord, I just want to know you because that will help me handle my suffering. Father, please bless the thoughts of your word tonight. Encourage people from this book. I fell in love with this book when I first got saved. I didn't understand one word of it, but I knew it was written for me. And I've never been let down. I've always drawn so much from this book of books. So thank you that Job stayed with it. Thank you that he felt like dying, but he didn't die. You got him through it, Lord, and, and you will get us through as well. Help us keep our eyes on the one who is in control, please. And encourage everyone in this room. Keep us encouraged. We can, we can be like Eliaphaz, like Bildad. We can tear each other down. We can tear and criticize everything that there is because this is a flawed world. But Father, it'd be really wonderful if we used our mouth for good. In Jesus' name, amen.